here to break every chain, every chain of darkness, unbelief, sin, amen, sickness, disease, whatever it is. He's a God, a God of mercy, a God of grace. Amen. Somebody sang a song here a while back that my cup is full and I'm drinking out of my saucer. That's the kind of way I feel this morning. Amen. Because it's just running over. And I believe God has got a lot of things for us today. Amen. As I heard Brother Timothy say, you see what God did last year? Just watch what he's going to do this year. Amen. As we look and see the exceeding abundantly. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to start this new year with a testimony that I just received. You know, we have prayer requests and we have uh, needs that are, that are there. And the, the Bible said the, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so um, during our fall meetings, we received news of Sister Carol Kinzer. She's a widow of a pastor out east and she's also the mother of a pastor there um, she was uh, found with multiple tumors diagnosed with cancer throughout her body <clears throat> unfortunately it was too late for um, you know doctors to do anything about it she couldn't stand or walk with without excruciating pain and was sent home to hospice care and just given weeks to live and put on medications like oxycotton and morphine. We received news of this during our October meeting. And um, so we um, had Sister Connie to Spencer to make contact with her, got her on the phone. We were there gathered with some of the ministers um, together uh, Brother Ron, myself, Brother Wayne Lawson, Brother Timothy, maybe some others, maybe Brother Josh was there, I can't remember, but I do know he was at the meetings. But we, we called her on the phone and prayed with her over the phone and then sent a prayer cloth to her. Um, you might remember Brother Ron called her name and spoke to her during the meetings as um, she was listening in. And uh, we just received testimony that she received a visitation from the Lord. Began to make a miraculous recovery. And she testified she is healed, cancer free. The hospice care has been canceled. She's regained her ability to stand and walk and is living alone again. She, she gave glory to God in a recent testimony. And uh, those that looked at her said she looked younger than they ever remember with a glow on her face. I'll tell you what a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I'd like to start this now, this new year out, announcing the devil's defeat. Amen. That he's defeated on all fronts. And that we have been shown to be the victorious ones. Hallelujah. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen. You provided a way for Brother Timothy to go to the Belgium meetings as a youth camp there. Those meetings are now history. Brother Timothy, Brother Danny Steeman, they're now on their way to France. Today, where they, as the meetings have concluded this morning, some hours ago, and they will have weekend meetings at Brother David Mayer's church, who was here for our meetings, you remember him, and um, spoke the Sunday before the meetings, they will be there this weekend. But there's reports of souls saved, and water baptized, and prodigals returning, and saints revived, and pastors encouraged. Amen. God's doing great things. Amen. What a mighty God. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. We also received a report that Brother Timothy spoke to a sister from Peru and said um, that she appreciated and wanted to say thank you to whoever's been translating the um, sermons uh, of the meetings and the church into the Spanish language that is now going on YouTube. Some, some months ago, Brother David Dexter, ah, probably a year or so ago, he asked me, you know, Brother Tim, what, what could I, I could not do for, for the Lord? And we talked about um, things that was upon his heart and desires to serve the Lord. And I said, once you learn the Spanish language, I said, we, we need somebody to translate into Spanish. There's, there's a, millions of people out there that need to be reached with the same solid gospel. Anyway, this sister from Peru came and shared to, with Brother Timothy. He said, I, I would just want to send thank you back to those who are translating the, the messages. And I understand some from Brother Danny Steeman's church has been helping with that as well. And, um, but anyway, they, they said, um, you know, it's already, uh, said our, our pastor has been listening to it and it's already started a revival in our church. Amen. As the flame is just spreading worldwide. Amen. The Holy Spirit moving. So you just realize, amen, the atmosphere you're creating right here this morning is not only affecting those in this building, but it's affecting the bride around the world. Amen. And realize that we have a responsibility. I, I received a wonderful email today from a precious a little church there in India. Probably they're listening in or will be listening. And uh, they asked me to, you know, you know, they heard I was going to Japan. Heard I was going to Philippines. You know, could I please come to India? You know, they, they wanted, they just wanted to stir of the Holy Spirit there in their church. And you know, as I was thinking about it, meditating on it, and, and as I replied back, you know, there's so many things, places around the world and things, places you can go and, and whatever. But you know, I think sometimes my greatest pulpit that I have is right here in this church. 
And there the gospel can be spread around the world as people listen in and people are affected. And then we, we hear of them, their lives being changed and people healed. I, I think about reports that have come in of people on insulin dependent uh, diabetes um, that was, was facing possible amputation and just serious complications from the diabetes. And, and, and as they're listening to the word of God preached from right here, they were healed by the glory of God. Amen. And, and set free from that. Here of another woman wrote me and said, Brother Tim said, you know, I was listening to your sermons and I was laying on the bed. I was dying. I was on my deathbed. And as I heard the word preached, it so quickened my life. And today I am healed. And now that has been a number of years ago, but I'm still healed for the grace of God. Amen. God is abundant in mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Whoever you are around the world. Let me just say to you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we don't have a, we don't have a corner on the market as it was. It's not just for us, for and no more. Amen. It's for the bride around the world, wherever she is. Amen. And it ought to drive us to our knees to realize the responsibility that we have today. Amen. God bless you. Will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 34? We'll read from the sixth verse. Exodus 34 and verse 6. I like it when the Lord passes by. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Turn with me to John 10 and verse 10. And we're going to look here and we're going to see where this mercy now becomes flesh. As the Lord passed by before Moses there, now he comes to the earth and Jesus announces these words. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. Why don't you just look over to the person next to you and say, God's going to give it to us more abundantly. Amen. God bless you. You can take your seat. Amen. I'm going to speak on abundant life and abundant power today. I begin to think on this as I begin to read the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament. And um, I, um, I, I was able to do this just simply by, just simply by doing a search for that uh, on the miracles of Jesus from the Bible and and just would list them one by one. And I, as I noticed this in the, in the Bible, it was at uh, Jesus' first miracle at a, at a marriage 
in Canaan. And his first miracle was to have um, six 20 to 30 gallon pots filled with water. And he changed that, that water from, uh, from water to wine. And I began to think about this, that God doesn't do things in just a small way. You know, because that, that's nearly a, a thousand bottles of wine. It's way more than what's needed. But God is the abundant God. He exceeding more abundantly than we can think or ask. And he gives abundant life. God is more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough. I just want to go over some scriptures really quickly here just to place it in the Bible for you where you can look at some of the scriptures that speaks of this abundant life. Second Corinthians 4.15 says, For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So he speaks of abundant grace. We'll trace back to the Old Testament to Isaiah 55 and verse 6. And I think this is a good one to start the year off with. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it Uh, Bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch this now. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sin it. Amen. Oh my. We're seeing that the fruits of the word of God sent out from his mouth. Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above that all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. This is the abundant God we're talking about. Able to do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think. Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So it's a, it is a renewing of the Holy Ghost, washing of regeneration, his mercy by which he saved us. And he sheds this abundantly. Amen. It's an abundant life. Not just that you receive the Holy Spirit one time, but there is his filling and many refillings. 
Amen. And then, of course, we find um, in Hebrews 6.17, wherein God more abundantly, more abundantly, to willing to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability, that means the unchangeableness of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. These are, these are principles that you need to hold on to. God, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for his word to return to him void or empty. Amen. It's impossible for him to go back on what he said. Amen. These, these phrases are powerful. Amen. And they are, they're life-changing when you really take them and digest them and receive them for yourself. But anyway, it's to give us a, a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. And then, of course, um, one more scripture, and we will, we will go into our message, just laying these out for you to see this abundant God. He said in Second Peter 1 and verse 11, For soul and entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an abundant grace, an abundant um, um, entrance minister to you. Um, there again, uh, God willing abundantly to more abundantly to show you who is an heir of salvation. You know what things that are for you that He cannot lie, and that and that and that um, it produces a strong consolation. And and so then again, the the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, He sheds on abundantly. The, the abundant grace and able to do exceeding abundantly above that which we're able to think or ask. I think these things establishes God as, as a God of abundance who don't want to just give you a little, but wants to give you more than enough. Amen. Exceeding abundantly above that, that which you're able to think or ask. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So it's a more abundant life. And this life of Jesus is a quickening power. That's why we're speaking on abundant life and power. Because this life in itself is an abundant life, but it's an abundant power. Just like your natural life, you must be born into it. Otherwise, you know, you don't have life in this earth without a birth. And you don't have life in Christ without the new birth. This is why he, in his first doctrine, we read about his first miracle in Canaan or talked about it. Now, this first doctrine that Jesus preached is John 3 and 5. He said, verily, verily, he starts it out as absolutely, absolutely confirming with an oath. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So you see, Jesus came to birth us into a new life. 
And those that would be born of him are born of a new race. They are the new creation. And they are a species like none other. Amen. There's never been a species like this new creation ever seen from the old creation. Even Adam in all his glory is nothing in comparison to the new creation. You see, in this new creation, they are spirit men and women born of the spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That's the second birth. So you are born first of the natural man of the flesh, but you have been reborn again into a new life, which is a spirit man. Amen. And this, this of course, uh, would make uh, prompt Brother Branham to say things like this in spoken words, original seed, to be born of the word and the spirit brings us back to the spoken word again, like in John 3. To be born of the water and the spirit, what does it do? Then it brings you right back again to the place where you should have been at the beginning. And that's the reason of Christ's death brings us right back again to where sons of God. Now, here he, may, he speaks of this life. Yet, then he speaks of a death. Because it would be through Jesus' death of the flesh and the, and, and the destruction or the, or the bruising of his flesh were that it would go down to the grave and the giving of his life that life could be given back. To the believer, as we've explained many times, the, the, there was no provision in the Old Testament for the life of the sacrifice and its nature to come back upon the worshiper. But this is a different covenant. And under this covenant, there is the, not just the death of the sacrifice, which atones for sin, death for death. But rather, it's more than that. It is the impartation of his life coming back into the believer, which makes us sons and daughters of God. And as we look upon this life giver, we, we know then he would first have to deal with death. Amen. That was, had come upon all mankind. And, and he would have to, he, he would have to do this as a human because God cannot die. Amen. So to do this, God would become a man. He would take on human flesh. As the song writer said, what condescension bringing us redemption. Amen. Then in Hebrews 2 and 14, he tells us how that he would come. He said, for as much as the children are made partakers of flesh and blood, he himself also likewise took part of the same, that through death, notice what, through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So notice his whole purpose was to destroy death's power. But in order to do this, it would have to be through his own death that he would de- destroy death's power. Now, of course, to destroy death's power would mean that he would have to impart life, right? Amen. Because, um, because through his death would come this life. Now, man was not originally made to die. There was nothing died before sin entered the picture, right? He was originally made to be immortal. 
not not um, in, a, in a mortal body that would decay and die and become sinful and, and sick and then go into death. God made man as, as Adam was made. He was made with a body that didn't decay, that didn't get tired, that didn't get weary, that didn't do, you know, go through any parts of mortality. But when sin entered the picture, he lost his, that form of, uh, of mortality or, or immortality and became a, a mortal. And he caused every man to be born into that same mortal condition. And, and so he was not originally, uh, originally to die. Romans 8 and verse 20 said, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. So again, this is what is saying against its will. The universe, the world itself has had to endure the, the empty futility and chaos resulting from the consequences of human sin. So you can see because of man's sin, the whole world died and the whole world went into chaos. All, all of Adam's race was sold into death. Oh my, what an announcement this is though that Jesus said. You know, he came as a thief. And he came, he came as a thief, this devil did. And he came to, as a thief to rob and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Amen. What a difference between his message you know, and, and what happened to us with Adam? Because with Adam, all men sinned and all men died. And with, uh, with Adam, sold us all into death. But Jesus comes to bring us up out of death, back into life again. Amen. Now, to do this, to do this, you, you were subject to sin and you were subject to death. And, and so for God to bring reconciliation, he came down from heaven to be one of us in order to elevate us back to sonship again. Notice how he came in Hebrews 2 verse 15. And to deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a faithful um, and merciful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself suffered being tempted. He is able to secure them that are tempted. In other words, for in that he himself has suffered. Being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So God would actually leave the, the very throne of heaven in order to, to create a body that would be prepared. He said, he said uh, in, in, in um, Hebrews, he said, uh, sacrifices and offerings. You know, endless lambs and offerings and, and animal kill. That's not what I want. But a body has now prepared me. Amen. And it would be through this prepared body who was born of the spoken word. 
Amen. Who was without sexual birth. Amen. Without man's intervention or man's um, procreativity. But, but because God now wanted to become looking and seeing his lost children in a flesh form. And here subject to every kind of temptation, sin, everything else. God becomes a man to become one of us. Hallelujah, to take on human battles. This is what he means in Isaiah, you know, when he said that to us a son is born and to us a child is given. And his name should be called Wonderful and Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God. That word Mighty God means this. It means the warrior God. Amen. The Mighty One, the, the warrior, the champion came down. To take on human battles. Amen. To, to overcome as you overcome. To be tempted as you are tempted. To be tried as you are tried. To suffer rejection as you suffer rejection. To suffer pain and agony. God couldn't do this. He's an eternal spirit. So he made himself a body to reveal his self through in order to bring redemption to you and me. And this is why Jesus said, I didn't come as a thief to rob and to kill and destroy, but I came as a life giver. I came to bring life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Now, you know, this is what Brother Branham said in the Hebrew series. He says, uh, in, in reference to Scripture, God could not suffer in the spirit. He had to become flesh to feel the pain of sickness. To feel the temptation of lust. To feel the temptation of want. To feel the temptation of hunger. To feel the power of death. That he might take it upon himself to stand in the presence of the great spirit Jehovah to make intercessions to this life. And Jesus took that in order to make intercession for us. He knows how it feels. When you get sick, he knows how you feel. When you are tempted, he knows how you feel. Hallelujah. And how can can I overcome? He said temptation was for him. You know that? The Bible said he was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. Amen. He was tempted by drinking. He was tempted by women. He was tempted by everything that could be tempted by. He was tempted by everything that we are. He was a man and yet you couldn't put a mark on him. Amen. He was of a sinless nature. Hallelujah. This is the nature he imparts to every believer is a sinless nature and an overcoming power. Are you with me? Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, there would be types and shadows. As you know, that the, the law of the Old Testament, things that were set in order there, that they were a shadow of things to come. And so, it's just like if you look between... Uh, an object is coming and you can't see the shadow of my hand on this desk. But you uh, can imagine that there would be a shadow that would be cast. And it's because there is something that is approaching. And the law was a shadow. It was telling of the approaching of the Messiah. 
It was telling that the Redeemer was going to come. And so it was a shadow of something that was coming. It was not the real thing, but it was a type of the real thing. And so in the, in the Bible, um, it, it speaks of, and I want you to be turning to Leviticus 16 verse 21. And it speaks of the scapegoat. And as we look at this, I know theologians kind of got their own ideas about this, but uh, you know what, because they said one represented God and the other represented the devil. But I'll tell you, the devil does not represent us in redemption. Amen. The devil does not represent us in redemption. And this is in redemption. Amen. And so in the Old Testament, Aaron, the high priest, was instructed to take two goat kids for a sin offering. And he would cast lots and choose one to be offered for a sin offering. And then the other would be a scapegoat. Now, scapegoat according to the dictionary, is a person who is blamed for someone else's wrongdoing. Amen. And this is what happened in this Old Testament type. Amen. The wrongdoings, the wrongdoings of Israel, their sin was placed and their blame was placed on a goat, upon a sacrifice. Are you with me? Amen. Now Leviticus 16 verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. And, and, um, and over him, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. And all their transgressions and all their sins. And putting them upon the head of the goat. And shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Now you can see this very type. One goat, we didn't read all the scriptures containing it, but one goat is is a sin offering. It's representing, of course, Christ's redemption for, for us. But the other goat also represents Christ in redemption. As I said, the devil doesn't represent us in redemption. Amen. But this is what happened to Jesus. As uh, you know, the same thing happened to Jesus. He was the one who God made the scapegoat. Could I say it this way? God became the scapegoat. Because it was the word God made flesh. And God became the one who took your blame. Would take your sin. The goat hadn't sinned. The goat hadn't done anything wrong. And Jesus was more innocent than any goat. He was without sin. He was born without sin. Are you with me? Amen. But now, again, as we look at this for for a moment, here I blame our iniquity. Our sins all were placed on the goat. And he becomes the scapegoat. As I said, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. He was the one that God laid on him. The iniquities of us all. 
Isaiah 53 and 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Amen. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter in the, in the New Testament. My favorite chapter in the Old Testament is Isaiah 53. There's so many wonderful things laid here. Now, as we, as we notice this, sorry, no, as we notice this, he's, he's despised. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, he's despised and rejected of men. Now, I'm not just want you to think of Jesus. I want you to think about this goat for a moment. Because in the Old Testament, all they had was a goat. In the New Testament, we have the Lamb of God. Are you with me? Amen. He is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God. And afflicted. Notice this. Verse 5. But he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed now Jesus would be wounded torn beaten punished whipped slapped bruised He's dealing with death. He's dealing with all of the attributes of death. He's dealing with both sin and sickness in his atonement. I want you to get this really clear. He's dealing with sin and sickness in in his atonement. He's He's dealing not only with the soul, he is dealing with the body. Because... It's more than just giving us a, 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 you know, a new nature in our soul and taking us off to heaven. But he's abundant in grace. Amen. He even does exceed and abundantly. He makes a promise. I'm even going to change your body. The very vessel of earth that Satan used to glorify himself. I'm going to take that and redeem that. And cleanse that and make it to redeem, to glorify me by removing the blame from the sinner and placing it upon the sinless one. And giving you his righteousness. My what a revelation that is when we realize I am his righteousness. As I said, Jesus wounded, torn, beat, punished, whipped, bruised, slapped. I want you to picture this little good kid now. Let's go back to the Old Testament. The Bible said it was a goat kid. There was two, two, two young goats from, from a herd. And they were male goats. And this little goat kid now has been selected 
One of them has been chosen for the sacrifice. The other is going to represent another type. One is representing his death, but the other is going to carry it even beyond his death. And show his victory over over death, hell, and the grave. Now I want you to picture this little goat. He's led out in the wilderness by a fit man. Now, goats are domesticated animals. They required a shepherd. Amen. They require a caretaker. This caretaker is a protector from the predators. He, you know, David learned when he was out tending to his father's sheep. And many times these terms will, will, uh, of sheep will represent, uh, any small, uh, ruminant like that with cloven, cloven hooves like a, a domesticated animal like a goat or a sheep. And, and, and so David's out there. He's constantly out there practicing with his, with his sling. He's getting ready for any enemy that comes. Little does he know this is going to be the very thing. This little humble part of being a shepherd is going to actually prepare him for the kingship. And will be used in his path to the throne. A lot of times you don't understand what you're going through, but we're going to sit on the throne. And the things that you're going through now and the slinging of your little stones... Amen. Taking the word of God and swinging it at the enemy time after time after time. And going through your trials is only preparing you for the throne. For the millennial reign ahead. To rule and reign with him. Don't ever forget there are things that are happening to develop your character. Amen. It's teaching you to overcome. God does not put sickness upon you to develop your character. Get that out of your mind. God knows that because of the fall, sickness comes upon man. And so God knows that there's nothing that is going to keep you from obtaining the inheritance. So he knows sickness is going to come upon you. And God uses the very things that the devil puts upon you to show you a God that is rich in mercy a God that is abundant in grace a God that is a God of power I want you to understand there is nothing the devil can do to you amen that God ain't already ten steps or a mile ahead of him are you with me he knows exactly and he knows amen he knows and Job said he knows the way that I take and he knows that when I come forth I will come forth as purified gold that no matter what I go through now this little goat is led out in the wilderness by man the man would have to hide his face from him I know I used to I used to raise goats I know you lead them out in the pasture. They stay right with you. And they, they walk everywhere you walk. They go right out into the woods with you. And they'll stay right with, the, with their shepherds. Some, and they're looking to you for their protection. And they're really, you know, I would lead them sometimes out into the brambles and things because they're browsers and not grazers. And, and all of a sudden, you know, one, one little, they were always looking for, for the enemy to come and they were already ready to flee back to safety. 
Many times they would go back before I was ready for them to go. And I'd have to go get one and lead them back and call them all back. Try to get them to feed again. Because they spooked from something. But a little kid led out in the wilderness. The man would have to hide his face from him. Until the little goat would be left alone. Abandoned. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to imagine the terror of this little goat. Scared. Fearful. Running through the thorns. Torn by the brambles. Cut. Now he's, he's bleeding. He's screaming. He's been left alone. He's yelling out. He, he gets, he's cut. He's pierced. And he's pounced upon. And ripped apart. All of this was done to make atonement for the sins of man, not his own sins. Amen. This was Jesus. Wounded, torn, beat, punished, whipped, bruised, slapped, crowned with thorns. And he took this all in his flesh. For your healing. The book of Hebrews says during the Christ days on earth. He pleaded with God. Praying with, with, and crying with passion and cheerful agony. That God would spare him from death. There at Gethsemane. Brother Branham would describe him. In the message communion. He said our blessed Lord. At, at, at Gethsemane. He said, when the eternal destination of every soul that ever was or would be on the earth rested on his decision. And he said, there in Gethsemane, he died more death there than he did at Calvary. Because there he would have to surrender his human will. And that's what Adam didn't do. Adam, he he surrendered his will over to the devil. He gave up the will of God for the devil's plan. Somebody help me preach. You know this is true. Amen. He took and exhorted even Eve there when she when she was listening to the lie of the devil. She put her own desires, her own will over the word of God. And he believed, she believed the lie of the devil over the word of God. She exerted her own self-will. That's why Jesus now has to surrender his will. And this is the first death that has to take place. That has to be there in Gethsemane where he surrenders up his own will. This man... I, I, I've got to be, I've got to be, I'm without sin and I've got to take all their sins. I'm without blame and I, I've got to take all their blame. I, 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 I've never, I, I, I've never sinned. I've never done, be separated from God to be left out in the wilderness to go to hell for something I didn't do. But in that 
great crucial hour till he suffered knowing all things until the water and the blood separated in his body of great drops of sweat like blood dropped from his brow. Oh my, here in that moment when the eternal destination of every man and woman laid upon him, he surrendered the will to do God's will. Amen. In order to bring life, and life more abundantly, he would have to surrender his life up to death first to be able to give that life for you. What was he doing? He was becoming the scapegoat. Amen. Where my sins and your sins were laid upon him. What for? What was his body being beat for? Why were stripes being laid upon him? I I want you to get this in your mind of what he went through. And I don't want to play the passion of Christ and all of that uh, before you so much. But I want you just to understand its purpose. In Matthew 8 and verse 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that was possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Notice now, this is what he came. He came to fight human battles. Amen. The very first thing that he does as he announces his coming kingdom, he announces there must be a new birth into this kingdom. And then he begins to cast the devil out. Everywhere that he's tormented humanity, he cast him out. If he meets a blind man, he cast it out. If he meets a deaf and dumb man, he cast it out. He calls them evil spirit. He deals with them. Tormentors that are tearing at the flesh of men and women. Cancers and spirits of infirmity and crippled conditions and, and paralyzed people and situations of men, helpless men caught in all of this. He begins to exercise his redeemership. Notice as, as he is, he, he comes that it might be fulfilled. He becomes the scapegoat. Amen. He becomes torn by beast. Ever cancer, ever diabetes, tuberculosis, asthma, heart disease, high blood pressure, affliction, crippled affliction, amen, blind, deaf, dumb, Lyme's disease, every beast of every kind biting at him. Whatever stripe he takes, whatever slap that he gets, Whatever bruising that he receives, he is actually taking the pain of your infirmity and paying for it. And taking what belonged to you and taking it upon himself to pay for your healing. I want you to get uh, the, the wonderful thing that God did. Amen. In this, that where he would pay for your healing. 
The Bible said in 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So you see, again, he, he speaks of us in Colossians 1 21, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to breathe, present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Does somebody catch that? Amen. He had reconciled in the body of his flesh. In his flesh, he's bringing reconciliation. In his flesh, he is paying for your healing. In his flesh, he is paying. Amen. For for every sick child that would be born. Amen. He is paying for every deaf child. Every deaf woman. Even every deaf old age person. He is there as a healer of all diseases. And he's paying for it. Redeeming. Hallelujah. Amen. Redeeming. His body was an offering for sin. Was an offering for sin. But it was was also an offering for sickness. I want to just, I want to just separate it just for a moment if I could. I mean, because they're, they're so woven together in redemption. And I want you to think of when he redeemed the body, when he redeemed man, he redeemed both the body and the soul of man. In atonement, he pays for your sickness and your sins. This is seldom taught anymore in the churches. They only teach him as one who pays for your sins. They don't teach him as one who pays for your sickness. Now, his body was an offering for our sickness. He would take the pain. He would take... Listen, you say, well, I'm suffering today with with a headache. Well, I want you to understand. He would be beat on the head. To have a headache. He would have a pounding headache. And it would be crowned with thorns. What was he doing? He was was paying the price of redemption. For your headache. You say well I, I, I got kidney trouble brother. I'm hurting back here in my back. He would take those stripes. Amen. You, 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 you cannot name an affliction or pain. You say, it's in my feet. And they would pound nails in his feet. You say, it's in my, my hands are hurting me. Brother Tim, I, I'm in pain. He, he, was, he was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquity. And by his stripes you are healed. was an offering for our sickness but his soul went where his body couldn't go his soul went into hell for our place 
His body could be go as far as the grave. But his soul now would go further than the grave. In Isaiah 53 and verse 10, it said, Yet it pleased the Lord to prove him. He hath put him to grief. When thou must make his soul an offering for sin. You know, I, I, I don't want to separate this because it's so closely woven and they wave back and forth. But his body, his body was for our healing. But his soul was an offering for sin. What I'm trying to show you is laying in redemption. Is, is healing for the soul and healing for the body. They are inseparable. Amen. And so Isaiah 53 verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. So now again in 2 Corinthians verse uh, verse 21 of chapter 5. He made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. I want to stop for a moment. There in hell, he was punished, haunted, torn out, bare the brunt, the scorn, the torment of every demon tormentor known to man. There in hell, I want you to know, he went there as a sin bearer, as a sinner. And as a sinner, Hear the hear every demon hard tormentor come. We got you. We have you. We're the one. Lust was laid upon you. All of this. Hey, you know, you here you are. Every kind of every kind of evil. And there he's torn out and pulled out and beat and slapped. Are you with me? Amen. And there there was tearing at his soul. I want you to understand, he went to hell in your place. Yeah, you know, we're not just talking about the grave. He went to the grave in your place. But he also took your sickness in your place. But he also goes to hell in your place. Hallelujah. Oh man, he would spend three days in hell. Amen. But somewhere about the third day, once his soul had been offered for sin, and all wrath poured out upon it, and all demon howling around, can you imagine? No, you can't. Amen. You can, you can imagine the, the little goat a little better there in the wilderness howled and pulled out and, and, and torn and, and pack of wolves or lions or whatever pulling him apart and the frantic, the crying, the screaming, the, the, the crying out. But Jesus went through more than even what you're seeing on the cross. He went to hell in your place. Come on. Amen. And he descends to the lower region of hell. And about, the, about the third day after his soul had been offered for your sins and my sins. Amen. He descends to the lowest region of hell. 
And somewhere about that time, it begins to change from sacrifice to conquer. As the scriptures, amen, more scriptures begin to take hold. And other scriptures begin to be fulfilled. And he has now fulfilled the part of his soul to be made as an offering for sin. And now he begins to change from that into a conqueror. Hallelujah. That's the scriptures of the mighty conqueror. Take hold. It says in Psalm 16, 10, but thou wilt not leave my soul in hell and neither shall thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Hallelujah. So for before 72 hours and corruption could come in. Amen. He had made a promise. You won't spend more than three days. I typed it out there with Jonah in the belly of the well. But even as he came out, so will you come out. Amen. Destroy this temple. I'll raise it up again in three days. Amen. Before corruption sets in. Amen. I will not leave his soul in hell. I will not allow my holy one to see corruption. Amen. That day, death was swallowed up in victory. Somebody help me preach now. I said that day, death was swallowed up in victory. Amen. Where, where he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Amen. The sting of death is sin and the law only gave strength to sin. Amen. That's all the law did was just gave strength and empowered you. You know, you could not live it. You just now was condemned by the law. Because the sin at one point you were guilty of all. But I want you to understand, he took the sting of death. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Bradham would often illustrate it. And you know the illustration if you listen to any tapes at all. And you should. Amen. As you listen to that, he tells you, oh, I don't know how many times he uses a reference to a bee. And he said, the bee was like the bee of death. It was swarming around him. Amen. But he said that day, he said that, that stinger, that bee had stung many, many men before. But that day when he anchored into the flesh of the Son of God, He pulled his finger out of it. Hallelujah. Amen. And not only did he pull his finger out of death, where death has no more power over you other than to take you in the presence of your maker and into the presence of the redeemed. Hallelujah. Amen. But he took the keys away from Satan. For he says in Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth. Hallelujah. I've come to give life. I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death. Amen. Of hell and of death. Amen. What is it? Satan don't even have the key to his own house anymore. He cannot hold one child of God bondage. Hallelujah. Amen. This mighty conqueror starts up as he moves through paradise and he meets with the, and there and appears at the gate and there is Job and Ezekiel and Daniel, amen, and Adam and Eve and all of them that have been waiting for the serpent bruiser to come. As a little children, you don't have to wait any longer. 
Hallelujah. I've taken your punishment. I've taken your sins. Amen. And now, amen, I have the keys to open up death and hell. Amen. And when Jesus rose, this Old Testament saints rose with him. Hallelujah. Well, some will say, well, he, all of them didn't raise Brother Tim because, you know, there was some that was had to die outside of the promised land. Let me tell you something. Every elected seed of God came up with him because the blood of Jesus Christ was not only able to pay for their sins, but even when they were forced to be taken out of their promised land down into Babylon or anywhere else. Are you with me? Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ covered that and he emptied paradise, not leaving one soul of his children in, in paradise. Amen. And emptied it and took them there into the presence of God. He led captivity captive and sent back gifts to man. What gift was that? The gift of his life. Amen. Now, so he possessed the gates of his enemy. Amen. Open this for me. Now, just watch what he did when he was on the earth. He conquered and possessed every gate the enemy had. The royal seed, he he promised it by the word, he conquered it. He conquered the gate of sickness for us. That's what he come to do. Remember sick people? He conquered that gate. You don't have to conquer it. Hallelujah. He's already conquered it. The other men had to conquer their own gate, but you don't have to conquer it. It's already conquered. Hallelujah. Amen. And what did he do when he conquered the, the, the gates of sickness saying that he would? Whatever you ask on earth, whatever you bind on earth, he would bind it in heaven. And he gave us the keys to the gate. I want you to know that not only did he do this for himself, he did it for you. Amen. You ask whatever you will, it'll turn the lock. Amen. There is no promise of redemption that can be held back from a child of God. Are you with me? He conquered the gate of temptation by the word. His keys was resist the enemy. He'll flee from you. He conquered it all. He conquered every sickness. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered, he conquered what others couldn't conquer because they were of the natural seed, but he was the spiritual seed. He conquered the gate of the grave. And on the third day, he rose for our justification. And now, amen, now we are more than conquerors. Is that what Romans 8 says? We are more than conquerors. We just walk right into it. Amen. Jesus was a conqueror. He fought the battle. He defeated the devil. He paid for your healing. Listen, he defeated every sickness. He defeated every devil. He defeated every temptation. I'm, I'm trying to get something to you. You are dealing with a defeated enemy. And you don't have to conquer him. You don't have to have... You're worried about your faith. Is it strong enough? You don't have to worry about your faith. Whether it's strong enough. He's done conquered it. That's why you're more than a conqueror. Because he is a defeated enemy. You're worried. 
worried. Did I live right? Did I do this right? Did I do that right? You don't have to worry about it. He conquered it already. Hallelujah. We just walked right into it. It's our inheritance. And now we're dealing with a defeated enemy. Sickness is defeated. Amen. Death is defeated. Hell is defeated. Everything is defeated. Amen. You're disputing with a defeated enemy. He's conquered. Amen. No wonder Paul could say then, Oh, death, where is thy sting? And, oh, grave, where is thy victory? Show me where you can make me squirmer and scream. Amen. I'll point you to an empty tomb. Amen. I'll point you to an empty tomb. And I'll just tell you, every saint that I've ever placed in the ground, one day their tomb will be empty too. Amen. Because it's already defeated. It's just waiting for the time when God will call his children. And there's got to be a homecoming. Hallelujah. And just like he emptied paradise, he will not leave one of us in Satan's Eden. Did somebody hear me preach? He will not leave one of us. Can I bring that scripture right down to you? He will not leave our soul in this hell of Satan's Eden that's all around us. And neither will he see this holy one, this bride, see corruption. She shall overcome. Hallelujah. Amen. He is now after 2,000 years standing in the midst of us as the mighty conqueror. That's what he's been trying to show you through all these other battles. Come on, David. You're going to face with Goliath. That's okay. Amen. He's between us and the throne. He's coming down. His threats are landing on the wrong ears. There is a people on earth in this day and this time who are more than conquerors. They know they are heirs. They know who they are. They know what their position is. I want you to know my purpose in life is to be a devil defeater. That ought to be your purpose in life. I'm here to defeat him. Amen. I'm here to defeat. I'm here to break cycles. So well, it's followed my families down through the years and whatever. And they, there's been spirits that we can see followed our family. Maybe spirits of poverty, a spirit of, of, of weakness and sexual perversion. And every kind of thing that has followed our family. Well, maybe it did. But it don't follow this family. Others stepped over into another family tree. Hallelujah, time would fail me to speak of of Samgar and Jephthah and Ruth and Naomi and all the other conquerors down to the ages, Esther and all the others. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's my family tree. And in my family tree, there are conquerors. Hallelujah, my father is a conqueror. My father's an overcomer. He came and defeated sin, darkness, hell, everything there is. He came to defeat it all. He conquered every enemy, every temptation. Listen, Brother Branham would talk about this himself. And he's talking about, you know, when 
when, uh, when the gun blew up in his face. And he said, I was sitting, it was him the other day, he's sitting on that bench the other day. When Satan saw he had a chance to kill me. But he couldn't do it. And he'll never do it until Christ says it's ready. Now there would come a time it was ready. And he just changed dimensions. Amen. He'll never do it until Christ says it's ready. And no matter how many times he comes, he'll go back empty handed until Christ gives an order. My time's in his hands. The devil can't take me prematurely. Oh, he'll come and he'll lie to you. I was talking to Brother Kenneth the other day. Because me and him's had some conversations in, in the last little bit, you know. And he, he, he told me about how that, you know, uh, he was thinking about, you know, what was coming in his mind was about not making it through Christmas. Not making it through the New Year's. And I sat down with him at the New Year's Eve service. And I said, Kenneth, the devil's a liar. He lied to you and lied to you and lied to you trying to make you disbelieve. Hallelujah. Amen. But he couldn't do it. And he'll not do it until God says it's the time. Amen. Our days are in his hands, not the devil's hands. The doctor said you got a month to live. It isn't in their hands. Said they got you got two years to live. It isn't in their hands. Come on, church. Amen. It's in God's hands. He said no matter how many times he comes, he'll come back empty-handed. Until Christ gives an order. A promise. God promised it. Amen. His word promises. And we believe we're heir. He said, I'm an heir to divine healing. I'm an heir of joy. I've got a right to be happy. Hallelujah. You've got a right to be happy. You've got a right to rejoice. Amen. So what makes you so happy? i got a right to be happy. How do you know? Because I'm an heir to it. He said, mm, wow, I feel religious. Amen. Yes, I, I'm an heir to the happiness. I'm an heir to joy. I'm an heir to peace. I'm an heir to eternal life. I'm an heir to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am an heir to every evidence it's got. Amen. I'm an heir to the authority of God. Who made you that? Not me. He did. And I read it's impossible for him to lie. Every one of you is an heir to the same thing. An heir to the throne. He that overcometh shall sit with me on my throne as I have overcome and sat on my father's throne. Amen. An heir of all things, not just one thing, all things. Everything's under your feet. Even death is under your feet. Grave is under your feet. Hell is under your feet. Sin is under your feet. Everything is under your feet. You're an heir. You're dead and your life is hid in God through Christ. And you rose again to eternal life. And sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh my. You know, call us anything you want to. Call us what you want. Say we're crazy if you want to. But we're heirs. Heirs to what? All things. I'm an heir to all things. Both seen, present, future to everything. I'm an heir to it. Amen. 
Now the Bible said in Romans 4.25 that he arose for our justification. He's delivered us from our offenses and was raised for our justification. So I want you to notice, you know, he, he again was delivered for our offenses, but he rose again also for our righteousness. Now, in order to share his righteous life with us, this is why we type out what he did in salvation. We, we do this very thing. We, 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 um, we repent. We die out to ourselves. We are buried in a water, watery grave and water baptism. We are raised in resurrection into a new life. You see what we're doing? We are declaring. We are declaring our death. So I can't die because I've already died. Hallelujah. Amen. I have eternal life. And I might drop this body for a moment, but I'm still as alive as I ever was. In fact, I'm more alive than I ever was. Because this is only a shadow of the truth. Somebody with me now? Amen. So now he did this in order to share his righteous life. In doing so, he rose from the dead. In that stripes, beatings, slappings, bruising, all the abuse, the crushing, the crucifixion had resulted in death. Just as your sickness that the devil hands on you is meant to result in your death. But by his resurrection, he not only defeated sin, but he defeated sickness. And there he defeated cancer. He he defeated diabetes. He defeated neuropathy. He defeated heart trouble. He defeated ever known or unknown malady of man. He defeated what the science hadn't even discovered yet. It's already defeated. Hallelujah. By his resurrection. Amen. He bore it to death. And he died for it. But then he raised for it. Hallelujah. And when reason for it, he overcome every beating, every crown of thorn, every scar. Are you with me? Everything that the devil had done. Are, are you with me? Except for the ones that he kept as a reminder and then could show this is what I did to pay for you. Because he says, you think I can forget you? I can't. Your names are engraved on the palms of my hands. And so there he took that and he kept that. But the rest of them, he rose back a young man. He rose back glorified. He rose back changed. He rose back not a wounded, beaten person. He rose up a victorious, healthy One that death could not have any power over again. One that 
that sickness could never touch his body again. I want you to know in his resurrection, he not only defeated sin, but he defeated sickness. Amen. He defeated cancer. Amen. Heart trouble. Ever known or unknown malady of man, it's already defeated by his resurrection. When Jesus rose... He didn't rise a crippled beaten wounded man. He wore he rose up a conqueror. What was he doing? He was showing your healing is paid for. And that because I live, you shall live also. And because I'm healed, you shall be healed also. Ephesians 1.20 He raised up him from the dead and set it at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. So therefore, he was raised up, amen, with dominion over, uh, over every name that is named. Amen. Far above every principality. He was raised up above cancer. He was raised up above pain, suffering. Sickness, every kind. Is somebody with me? Amen. Philippians 2 and 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. Hallelujah. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. That that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord, ruler, king. That everything has to bow to him because he defeated it. I want you to get it. Jesus defeated by his resurrection every disease you will ever face. Every sickness you will ever have. Every pain you will ever feel. He defeated it. And gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, when you use his name, every one of these that were defeated has to bow. And I'll tell you how many there was, all of them. Everyone, every name that you can name. Every name that's fearsome to man. Every lust spirit. Every tormenting spirit. Every demon spirit. Come on somebody. Everything that he ever faced. Every temptation known to man. It is defeated. Every sickness that can strike your body. It is defeated. Every demon that can come and torment your mind. It is defeated. Amen. The Bible said that it gave him a name that, that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and earth or under the earth. That means that beings in all three worlds has to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. That name holds dominion over Satan and his entire kingdom. 
My God is greater than Lucifer. He is greater than any one of his imps. My God is greater than those unclean spirits that's been bothering you. Amen. He defeated every sickness. That's an unclean spirit. Every disease. Those are unclean spirits. He rose up well, healed and delivered. And on the day of Pentecost, are you ready for this? Amen. He sent back his life. Because he said, I'm not doing this for me. I wasn't a sinner. I'm not doing this for me. I wasn't the sick one. I came and took your battles and I defeated your enemy. Hallelujah. And I proved that my name is greater than anything you're going to face in 2020 or the years to come. Amen. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent back his spirit to dwell in us so we could share in his abundant life. Amen. Because he lives, we shall live also. And immediately after imparting his life, the disciples had began to impart healing. Amen. They imparted healing to the man at the gate called Beautiful. And Satan and his sickness was cast out. And all through the book of Acts, it shows account after account after account that, that they exercised dominion over every devil, over sin, over diseases, over afflictions. The commission is Matthew 10 and 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. You see, divine healing is the earnest of our resurrection. Just as the Holy Ghost is a down payment on an endless life. If there's no divine healing, there is no resurrection. Amen. In fact, of the matter, if there's no divine healing, Jesus didn't raise. And if there's no divine healing, you're not going to receive a change. And the dead will never be raised. The resurrection's impossible. Without divine healing. You see, this is what the devil has tried to do. Brother Branham said in, in one of his last sermons, he said, instead of keeping divine healing going, we've let Satan come and try to tell us it was for another age. We didn't know it would come and tell us it was for Brother Branham's age and not for us. But it's still trying to tell us it's for another age. And that the Holy Ghost was only given to disciples, so we get it different from today. You see, this is what the devil has done. And we've we've let Satan use theologians to try to convince us of this. But I want you to understand, you know, everything Jesus came to do is to restore. And everything his message does is to restore. Is that right? Amen. When he healed the leper, he restored him back to a good skin condition. When he healed the blind man, he restored him back to sight again. When he healed the paralytic, he healed the paralytic and made him to walk again. When he said to the woman, thou art loose, the spirit, it was all restoration. When he said, son, thy sins be forgiven, it was restoration. Amen. The message that we have received is a message of restoration. 
This is why God sent Elijah the prophet to turn our hearts back to the faith of the fathers and restore us again. Not bring a new message, but bring us back to the same Bible principles. Are you with me? Now, Brother Brandon said, Jesus came to restore the human race. Everything man lost in Eden, we're on our road. Now, we have the earnest of that deliverance. We have the Holy Spirit, which is a life of God in a portion. We are, we, when we are in his presence at the end of life, we will have the full spirit. Remember that? On the day of Pentecost, when he gave his life, it was abundant life. It poured out not just on one, but on 120 that was there. Is that right? Each one of them become filled with a portion of God. Say, Brother Tim, that's a pity. Let me just tell you, it's no pity that you just got a portion. One little touch of God is omnipotent. There's no weak spots or big heavy spots in God. The very smallest touch of God is omnipotent. Amen. You've got enough God in you right now to create a new world. You've got enough God in you to right now, amen, to resist every devil, even the devil of sickness. Amen. I I chose not to use the word defeat there because he's already defeated. I told you you have the right to resist him. That means to cast him out of your body or the body of your children or your family, any place, anywhere, anytime, because you are a child of the most high God and you are a possessor of heaven and earth and inside of you is eternal life, which is the fire of the Holy Ghost that is able to conquer and destroy and dismiss and chase out every demon. Hallelujah. Amen. And one of you will chase a thousand. And if two of you agree, you can chase ten thousand. And what could we do in a church service like this this morning when we all get in the same atmosphere and start believing? Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is called the earnest of our inheritance. Now we believe that we'll one day have an immortal body. Amen. When Jesus comes, these vile bodies will be changed. And we'll have a body like his own glorious body. But if we have that, and that was included in redemption. We've got to have divine healing for the earnest of our complete deliverance. If there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection of the dead. If there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection. Divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. If the Holy Spirit is here, that is the earnest of our eternal life. Do you believe that? Amen. The reason that God included divine healing, how could you take it out of the gospel when he was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we were healed? The same blood from the same man on the same day, one for salvation, one for healing. To deny one is to deny the other. Amen. They just turned it around today. In the days of Jesus, here on earth in a physical body, they said, we know he can heal, but he makes himself God by forgiving sins. He said, now today, they say he's all right. He can forgive sins, but he can't heal. But praise be to God, he can do both. I'm a witness. 
And I'm sure there are millions here of them and around the world too that are witnesses. How many is a witness? He is a healer. Amen. He is a deliverer. That he forgives sins. How many is a witness? He forgives sins. How many is a witness? He forgives and heals diseases. Amen. Salvation both for the soul and salvation for the body is all laying in the atonement. Amen. Psalms 103 says, Who forgiveth thine iniquities. That's the soul. And who healeth all of thy diseases. That's the body. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. That's both soul and body. Amen. Matthew 8, 17. Himself took our infirmities. That's weaknesses. So I'm weak, Brother Tim. I'm physically weak. I can, I can hardly go. He bore your took. Listen. He took. He took. I'm weak in my lungs. He took our infirmities. He bare our sicknesses. Come on. Amen. Isaiah, we look at Isaiah 53 and 4. As we pull that up, let me make a few comments here. As believers, we know we are not to tolerate sin in our lives. Because Jesus bore our sins. Now let me carry it a little step further. Neither do we need to tolerate sickness in our bodies. Because Jesus bore our sicknesses. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible said, Isaiah 54, surely, surely he had born. That means he carried away. Remember the scapegoat? He carried away our sorrows, our griefs. He carried away our sorrows. Yet we, and he bore our grief. He carried away our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He got afflicted. And he carried him away. The priest would lay it on the lad, the lamb. That's a, that's a small goat. The Bible said take a, a lamb from the sheep or the goats for the exodus. So they used the same word. Take a kid out of the goats. Let the sins of the people take all those sins. Put it on the head of the goat. Surely he hath carried away our griefs. Our sins, our sickness and diseases. And he has carried our sorrows. And that means our pains. Again, 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body. On the tree. If he bore them. Are you with me? If he bore them, then you don't need to bear them. If we have to bear them, then Jesus didn't need to bear them. In fact, if we bear them, it's useless for Jesus to bear them. 
Jesus became sick with our diseases. So much that he died. As God, he could not do that. But God became a man taking on the veil of flesh. He knew no sickness till he became a man. He knew no sin till he became a man. And the object of Christ's sin bearing was to make righteous all who believe him as their sin bearer. And the object of his disease bearing was to make well all of those who would believe him as, as their divine or their disease bearer. This healing is so abundant. He said, the miracles that I do shall you do also. John 14, 12. Not only that, but you as redeemed and righteous son or daughter of God can speak his word and ask anything in his name and he will do it. Satan cannot stand before that name now any more than he could stand before the man who gave you the right to use it. Amen. In in the Pergamian church age, Brother Branham said this. He said this word he has left behind on the printed page is a part of him when you accept it by faith into a spirit-filled life. Now, we make faith very complicated and a very misunderstood thing, but just to make understand what faith is, faith is just believing that God's going to do what he said he would do. That's all faith is. Is this, you are believing God will do what he said he would do. You believe the word is real. You believe it is right. I mean, your, your faith is not in whether you're going to walk or whether you're going to jump or whether you're going to feel. Your faith is in what God said. Amen. So the word that he has left behind on printed pages is a part of him. Would you accept it by faith, believing God's going to do what he said he would do into a spirit-filled life? He said that his word was life, John 6, 63, but that's exactly what he is. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. Uh, Romans 8 and 9, if him and I hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He said, there it is, he is spirit and he is life. That's exactly what the word is. That's exactly what Jesus is. He is the word. So when a spirit born, spirit filled man in faith takes that word into his heart and places it upon his lips. Why, that is the same as deity speaking. Every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before that man. Hallelujah. Go back to, go back to thinking about Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4, Jesus in his temptation. He he was physically weakened with hunger for 40 days. Men have sold out kingdoms on account of hunger. They would barricade around the city and, 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 and starve them out until finally they surrendered. Here Jesus is going with 40 days and nights without eating. And he is, he is afterwards hungry. The Bible said he was hungry. And he comes to him and tempts him with making stone into bread. And he had the power to do it because he was spirit filled. But he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He defeated the devil with the word. 
Amen. He was a spirit-born, spirit-filled man in faith. And he took that word in his heart and he placed it upon his lip. And it, and it defeated the devil. Somebody help me preach. And Satan could not stand before that man. Now I'm trying to bring it right down to you because you are a son just like Jesus was a son. You are spirit born just like Jesus was spirit born. You have the faith of God just like Jesus had the faith of God. Amen. But you have got to take the word in your mouth. And believe what God said. And place it on your lips. Then it's the same as deity speaking. I got another sermon coming on this. But let me just tell you, you know, a lot of times you look and you say, well, that was wrote to somebody else. That was wrote over here. That was Jonah's word. That was, that was Shamgar's word. That was, that was what God said to Isaiah. That was, so that was what God said to Jesus. That's what God said to Paul. It's not to me. It's to them. It was, it was, it's a word that was theirs. Jesus took the words that David spoke. Come on now. He took the words that David spoke and he said, he, he, he went to the cross on that knowing he would raise for he will said, he will not leave my soul in hell. Neither shall my Holy One see corruption. He took the very words. He looked and said, as Jonah was in the belly of the well, three days and three nights. I'm telling you, the word of God is still just as much for you as it was for Jonah, for David, for Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or Jesus, or anybody else in the Bible. It is your love letter. It is your word. And it works the same when you in faith take it and put it on your lips. Hallelujah. Because it's abundant in power. Every mountain has to go. I started, I ended the year with Joshua's prophecy that was given to him. You know, be of good courage. Be not dismayed. I have given you this land. I am with you. Everywhere you put your foot upon, that I have given you. Amen. This isn't a whole nother sermon. But listen to me just for a moment. You know, these words were spoken to Joshua many, many years ago. But those are your words for today. The same God is with you. They were only typing what was coming. Amen. Do, do you realize that? Do you realize Jesus could look and could say, I, Jonah was only typing me. Amen. And I'm the fulfillment. I'm the real thing that was happening there. And you've got to look the same thing in the word of God and say, I'm the real thing. I, they were the type. I'm the anti-type. They were, they were the shadow. I'm the real object that was coming. And we are here in this age and this time with abundant grace, abundant mercy, abundant forgiveness, abundant, oh hallelujah, abundant power. To defeat any devil, listen. Oh yeah. Every place I put, you put your foot, I have given it to you. Amen. So as much as you put a foot, that's yours. But it must be your foot. Yes, 
Hello. It's got to be your foot. And then you take and you claim another. But it's got to be your foot. And then you claim another. And it's got to be your foot. And what are you doing? You're walking through the promises of the word of God. And you're claiming one after another after another. God, it isn't good enough to save me. But oh, but the promises unto you, that's me. And for my children. I'm taking another step and putting it there. Amen. Oh, my children. And uh, no matter how far off they are. No matter how far they strayed. No matter how kind of spirits has got them and tearing at them. Jesus bore it and Jesus paid for them. Jesus redeemed them. Hallelujah. And as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if he's still calling. Hallelujah. The promise is there for you to put a foot on. Hallelujah. You might feel like a little weak now. You might be like David felt before Goliath. A puny sling and little stones against a mighty giant. But his faith went into action. And his puny arm became a whirlwind of power. And God took a hold of that arm and that puny stone became a lethal weapon. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. He had a lot of practice out there in the wilderness. And my little idle boy out there, you know, practicing with that slingshot, picking up stones and casting them out at invisible enemies. You know, of his imagination, you know, uh, here's another. But one day there come a lion. And this was no imagination, it was real. And he took it there and he there let go of that rock and killed that lion. Amen. He took a bear and, and did the same. Are you with me? Amen. What all these victories was preparing him for another victory. The victory over the lion prepared him for the victory over the bear. The victory over the bear prepared him for the victory over Goliath. Hallelujah. We can look back in our life and we can see where we've had a victory over this and a victory over that and a victory over cancer and a victory over barrenness and a victory over... Hallelujah. You name it, we've had victories. But they're only preparing us. Hallelujah. We've been, we've been practicing using that sling. Amen. But I'll tell you, against this Goliath, may the Holy Ghost take a hold of your arm and turn it into an inferno until there's a power that releases the name of Jesus Christ against your problem, against your sickness, against your disease. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. David there, when he walked down into that, that, that stream that day at that brook that was between the, the place. Here Goliath comes down one from a mighty mountain. Great man. A great man. Are you with me? Amen. Great power. Great armor. Great training. He was a threat. Forty days he had been screaming. And screaming and screaming out his vehemence. I'm just going to tell you, you put up with that devil too long. You put up with that fear too long. You put up with that worry, with that unbelief way too long. It's time for somebody to take action. Amen. And David goes down into that stream. There wasn't five stones down there. There was hundreds of stones. You're not limited 
This God is abundant. Amen. Hallelujah. Just one of them was all he needed to bring Goliath down. Amen. But God gave him five times more. And that was to oh, millions times more laying right there in that brook. And he picked up those five smooth stones. And I tell you, you got promise after promise after promise after promise because this God is abundant. He's abundant. He don't provide just little. God is more than enough. He is greater than cancer. He is greater than sickness. He is greater than any disease. His name is greater. His name is higher. Than at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. And every tongue has to confess that he is ruler. He is ruler over sickness. He is ruler over sickness and disease. Hallelujah. This God is mighty. This is the mighty God, the warrior God. And he's announcing to you, your enemy is defeated. You're dealing with a defeated enemy. Hallelujah. You're more than a conqueror because you don't even have to fight it. Just take a stone and let it go. Hallelujah. Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Amen. Thou shalt meditate in these promises day and night. That thou mayest meditate, that may observe to do all this written therein. Hallelujah. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good Success. I'm preaching to successful people. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Jesus. Speak it over with him just for a moment. Disease is as powerless now as when the Son of Man walked the earth. Demons fear the word today in the lips of a man who walks with God just as they bowed before it in in Jesus' day. All hell knows the power of that name. They know our legal rights and our authority. So they're fighting to keep you ignorant of your legal rights. Or if we know them, to keep us under condemnation so we won't dare use them. But let me read you a scripture just for a moment. Take somebody by the hand. Verily I say unto you, what things soever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And what things soever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if any two of you shall agree on earth touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. For where two 
or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in their midst. I want you right now to start to acknowledge that Jesus is in our midst. I want you just to, to acknowledge. Say, I don't see him, I don't feel him. I'm not talking about sense knowledge. Sense knowledge denies his existence. But we're people of faith. It's what I said that day when my wife was in, in, in the ICU. We are people of faith. We believe. That's what we do. We are believers. Just already since the new year, I watched in Brother Timothy's meetings, prodigals come home. I'm talking about boys that were out in sin. And they came back home. I watched young men give their lives to Christ and baptized in his name already. What's the Holy Spirit begin to move? There's healings that have been done already. There's healings that's going to be right now. Right now. I have been preaching. Why do you have to bear them if Jesus bore them? Why do you have to have them if Jesus took them? I want you to acknowledge that he's here and that he is your sin bearer. He went to hell for you. He was wounded for your transgressions. And he was bruised for your iniquities. And the chastisement of your peace was on him. And with his stripes you are healed. Don't think of a name. No name is greater than Jesus. No name. You can't name a name that is greater than Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm getting ready to pray now. And I'm not going to pray that God will heal you. He's already healed you. Amen. I'm just wanting to, I'm just going to pray right now that God will confirm your faith. Right now, your faith in his promise. Can you acknowledge right now that that Jesus bore your sins? How many can say he bore my sins? He took my sins away. Now, how many will acknowledge then right now that it was both for sin and sickness and disease? And by his stripes, you were healed. It's already done. We're talking about a defeated sickness now, a defeated disease. And I'm telling you, you don't need to bear them out of this tabernacle this morning when Jesus bore them for you. Right now, I want you to claim him as your redeemer. I want you to claim him as your savior. Amen. Saving you from sickness, saving you from disease, saving you from sin, saving you from every habit, every unbelief, every affliction. Amen. Lord Jesus, in the Bible, it tells us 
to submit ourselves to God. We've just done that. And Lord, we as a, a ministry will often have to cast Satan out. Because he comes in the very atmospheres of the church to try to crown us with unbelief. When we have been turned from unbelief to faith. Satan, I'm going to let you know right now that Elijah the prophet came and he turned our hearts back to faith again. And we are believers. We're a people of faith. And that you have no power over us as the children of God. That at Calvary you were defeated. And that the blood of Jesus Christ is effective and it is atoned for us. And it is written in the word that Two of one of us will chase a thousand, but two of us will chase ten thousand. Lord, here's right now a whole body of believers, and Satan, you see every one of them. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we have declared it, Satan, you are defeated. Now this sickness and trouble and problems that are there upon God's people that are troubling them. I curse him now in the name of Jesus. And I command him to take his lying hands off of God's people. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you leave these people. I bind your spirits of infirmity. I bind your spirits of torment. And I cast them out. You go fleeing from this place right now in the name of Jesus as an adopted son calls for you to leave them. Now sickness leave their bodies in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Confess his word right now. Confess your victory right now. Confess it right over that sickness, that trouble, that disease, that affliction right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Say it's done. It's finished. Amen. I accept it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I claim my promise for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Now raise your hands to God and thank Him for your healing right now. Thank Him for your deliverance. Amen. Thank Him. You will not walk in poverty. You will not walk anymore in defeat. You will not walk anymore under affliction. Amen. You are going to walk in freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we claim it for God's children. Right now, spirits of the enemy, you're gone. You're gone from our children. You're gone from our family. You're gone from our marriage. You're gone from our church. We will not tolerate you anymore. You have no home in us. Amen. You, the prince of the world, has come and you have no part in us, in this church, in our people, in our family, in the believers. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim it for God's glory. Amen. Satan can't stay any longer Your perfect love is casting out fear Oh, you are the God of all power And it is 
your will and my life is he. Oh, Satan can't stay, Satan. Oh, do you believe that this morning? His perfect love is here. Oh, your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God. 